Well, that's an image that I love about our God. Do you see God running to you today? He's running to us. He's running to us. Is there a story that captures our imagination more than the story we call the prodigal son? The details, the personalities, the events, it's so relevant to us. And what I've discovered after reading this story for decades now at different times is at any given moment I can assume one of the character's roles. I can be that rebellious son who squanders the father's wealth. I can be the elder brother who's self-righteous and feels morally superior to everybody else. Let me tell you, I could be the father who looks down the road just looking for a son to come home. That's our God. It is so us. And it is so God. But is there a better story that helps us reflect on the cross? I hope you have your little cross with you. If you haven't received one or if you forgot it, if you lost it, we have more, you can get one. But I hope you have it with you. And if you do, you should take it out and hold it in your hand for this entire service and just let it be in your hand. As we reflect on the cross, we've got to remember one thing about this entire series. You have to remember this one thing. We are on the way with Jesus to the cross. We are walking with Jesus to Jerusalem. It tells us in chapter 14 that large crowds were traveling with him. But as this crowd is traveling with him, Jesus talks about what it means to follow him to this crowd. He, he then says this in verse 33, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. But then after that, he tells this story of a son who, who wasn't willing to give up everything. In fact, he was determined to take everything. But he finds nothing. And then another son who refuses to give up what's in his heart. And he too finds nothing. Jesus tells the story in connection with other stories about lost things. Remember, remember the sheep? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And there will be no more rejoice, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. And what about the lost coins? Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds one coin? There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But, but you see, Jesus tells these stories because as he is walking to Jerusalem, as we know we're on this, in this part of the Gospel of Luke, which is referred to as the traveling narrative, as we're walking with Jesus to Jerusalem, an interesting crowd gathers around him. Verse 1 tells us, 
that there are tax collectors and sinners. And so the most religious among the crowd that day, you would hope would say, oh, that's so great. Like one of our students who comes to faith on a night, a festival of life. But, but what those religious leaders do is they sneer. The moral, the most moral among them sneers. The man, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. But now, Jesus says in response to that, let me tell you about lost boys. One of those lost boys makes the demand of the father. He says, Father, give me my share of the estate. And that seems kind of odd. This young man walking up to the father. But it's more than odd. It's not just the request of a self-indulgent son. Really, what the son is saying is this. Father, I wish you were dead. You see, that's what the son is saying. Father, I wish you were dead so that I can get my hands on your inheritance. Now, before we judge that son too harshly, I want you to think for a moment about how we feel that way about people. Before we're too harsh on him, I want you to think about the ways we use people as commodities to consume. Because that's what this son was doing. If people do what I want or give me what I demand or act as I desire, then they serve a purpose for me and deserve my attention. But if they don't, I'm reminded of the text that Pastor Mike preached from last week in Luke chapter 13 where we see the man wanting to give up on the fig tree except for the gardener who would not give up. The one man wanted to give up on the fig tree even though it had the leaves, even though it had been growing for three years. Why? Because it wasn't serving his purpose. It wasn't giving him the fruit it wanted. Why waste the soil, he said. Do we treat people like that sometimes? Why waste our time? Sorry, you're not serving any good purpose for me. Or maybe we say, as Kevin O'Leary says on Shark Tank, you're dead to me. Right? My friends, it's a dangerous place to come to when people become commodities for our use. You see, this, this boy lived his life at the expense of others, namely his father. And he is prodigal. He's prodigal because he's self-indulgent. He's focused on himself. He abuses his father's love. And maybe one of the things we learn is that squandering God's love leads us to lost places we never expect to go and leads us to treat people in ways we never would have ever believed we would treat them that way before. We're searching for love. We're searching for the love of God where it cannot be found. And when that happens, I become a prodigal. You know, even the people on the street, if we walked out, could recite this story, right? Everyone knows the story of the prodigal son, but it, but it holds these important lessons for us. Whenever we become so focused on ourselves at the expense and use of others, we squander relationships and we become lost. 
And the story of the lost boy becomes our story. I can preach all day long about the consequences of being lost in life's journey without God in life. I could talk all day long about the impact of using others. But I think this says it well. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But then the text says, he came to his senses. I love that. Five words. Came to his senses. And maybe that's a lesson for us in this season of Lent. That this is a time for us to intentionally reflect on our lives and for us to come to our senses about the choices we have made or we are making that lead us to a lost place. It's time to come to our senses as well. Is there an area in your life where you need to come to your senses and come back home? The lost son, right? On the other hand, we have the son who, by the standards of just about everyone, is the model son. He's a model son. He stays home. He works diligently. He, he's a rule keeper. He follows all the rules. He does whatever the father asks. He's a, he attends church. He behaves respectably. He uses the right language. He's the son a father can be proud of. One of those children we can walk around and parade and say, this is my son. Right? But that son does not come to his senses. Remember? Remember? Look! All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours can't even refer to him as his brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. No one said that before. This brother said that. You killed the fattened calf for him. See, what the son does is he lays on his father what we call an interjection. It is a series or a word that is filled, ripe, with emotion. And literally, quite literally, the son is demanding this of the father right now. Pay attention to me right now. When he says, look. That's what he's saying. Pay attention to me right now. Now that doesn't sound like the voice of a model son or the voice of a loyal son. In fact, I would suggest that the same heart condition of the younger brother is resident in the older brother for you see, for the elder son, the father is also a commodity. This brother lived with a latent expectation that the father would give him the good life. And when you read between the lines, this son was just waiting as well for the father to die. The father was dead to him, according to his heart.
take note of this. When the one brother returns home, both the sons are outside the house. But when the son, the rebellious son, goes into the house, the elder brother can't bring himself to go in. One of the differences between these two boys is this. The one, the rebellious one, stated his expectation. The other had the same expectation but held it in his heart and bided his time. And in the process, he developed a judgmental heart and a callous spirit toward his lost brother and his father. See, everyone in this chapter, everyone in the entire chapter 15 of Luke's gospel is doing one thing, except the eldest brother. Everyone. Verse 6, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Verse 9, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Verse 23, let's have a feast and celebrate. Everyone. But the elder brother had lost something essential because he failed to see something that was crucial. He failed to see that this is not the rebellious son's party. This is the father's party. This isn't a party about the son. This is a party about the father. My friends, the elder son lost the capacity to rejoice in and celebrate the activity of the father's love. He was so busy focusing on others, he lost the capacity to celebrate the joy of the Father's love, just as the religious leaders lost the capacity to rejoice in and celebrate the activity of God in the lives of people as the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around them. So was the elder's, elder son's concern the father's concern? Or maybe the more important question is, is my concern the same concern that God has for others? For the immoral, unbelieving, church-despising that God came to seek and to save like I once was? You see, this son didn't care if the brother came home or not. Good riddance. He's getting what he deserves. In the first son, we saw the trap of using people. But if we're not careful, we must also not fall into the trap of the second son, which is dismissing people from the grace of God. David Henson wrote, in this parable, Jesus is asking us whether we will entertain angels, even if the angels look to us like demons, exactly what we fear and loathe. He's asking us whether we can overcome our prejudice and the oppression of religiosity to open our arms enough to embrace the other, the other who is actually our closest kin. So you see, this son, this eldest son, he was also a prodigal. He was also lost. He has squandered the father's love. The first son squandered the father's love. This son squanders the father's love which leads to being lost even in the Father's house. Even 
in the church. We can be lost. But here's the key to interpreting this entire story. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, the religious leaders are condemning Jesus' approach to the sinful in the crowd. And so what Jesus is doing is not telling them stories about lost sheep or lost coins or for our purposes this morning. He's not just telling a story about two lost boys. But he's answering a challenge to the nature of God's love. You see, this story is about the most prodigal person among the three characters. This story is about, is about the prodigal. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That's perfect timing, Benjamin. That's perfect. Wasn't that perfect? He's good. You keep him right there. I love that little sound. Baby in the background. You see, that's the real prodigal. Because here's the truth. In that culture, in that day, this man was a disgrace. This father, he was a disgrace. He disgraced his family. He disgraced his community. When the father started running down that road, his robe probably gathered up and exposed his legs publicly. That's shame publicly in his world. The real prodigal here is the father. He looks like an old fool who's been taken in, in by the story of the son. But see, the father knows something that you and I don't see, and it's this. In the law, his son could be seen first by the residents of the community, and they could then take him and banish him forever from the community. So this father refuses to let that happen. He goes against all social mores. So no doubt this father is viewed as a reckless parent. He's being reckless. He's being reckless with his reputation. He's being reckless with his choices. He risks social rejection and criticism in welcoming his son this way. He goes looking for him. then he also turns and goes looking for the elder son. He goes looking for him and he gently tries to draw him back as well, to welcome him back into the home. And I wonder, does God want us, us to offer a reckless welcome to others? For the loved one, whose choices have led to sin and brokenness and a road away from home. For the gay couple who moved down the street from you and who needs a friend. For the refugees who are afraid and just trying to make sense of our city. 
For the man who looks like he belongs on the street but sits next to you in church someday. You see, it calls us to this question that Paul the Apostle asks in the book of Romans when he asks, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And it points to this amazing truth that he says later, Jesus died for all, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. No one. So that's the story of the lost son. We call it the story of the prodigal son, but notice this, the story is not finished. There's no end to this story. Did the returning son, did he stay true or did he go back to the wanton lifestyle? We don't know. Did the elder son come around and stop his adult temper tantrum? And finally come into the house and celebrate? Who knows? We don't know. But this is what we do know. Likely, really, truly, the choices of those sons, whatever they ended up making, determined the story's end that we don't know, right? It is also left to us to choose how our stories with God will be lived out. Which son will I be? Which son will I be? How will we be like the Father? So it seems unfinished. It seems unfinished. Except, remember, remember what we're doing now. Remember, remember these little crosses. Remember that we are on a journey with Jesus to the cross. So you see, there is a conclusion, but it's found in a question. And the question is this. What is the cross? Because that is the one place this prodigal story is finished. Again, last week, Pastor Mike reminded us that repentance is not just turning from something, but to someone. And my friends, as we, as we turn in repentance, as we turn towards God, what we see is God running toward us. Because you see, the cross of Jesus is God looking down the road. The cross is God wanting our return to him. The cross is God running toward us because we are all lost boys and girls without the Father, all of us. So I ask, what about you? Can you see the Father running to you? And for all of us, who have a prodigal son or daughter or a prodigal mother or father a prodigal friend or family here's the good news no matter how far down the road they go God is looking for them God is looking for the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. No one has to be lost because the prodigal God came running for us at the cross of Jesus.
And his word for you and me, for us, and for our lost brothers and sisters of humanity can become this word. We had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because you were dead and are alive again. You were lost. And now you're found. And that's the story of the prodigal God who's looking down the road just waiting to run to you, to run to your loved ones who are down a foreign road away from God, who's just waiting, looking for you and me. And the world. Thanks be to God. Our worship team is going to come. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you today that you are the God who ceases to give up on us. You will leave us to our own devices and choices as you do that with great pain, just as this father just ached over the choices of his son. But you're looking for us. You're longing for us. So Lord, I pray you help us today to let you embrace us. That one who can't forgive themselves or that one who thinks in their mind they're lost in the Father's house. How do they get out? How do they get home? For that one who lost the joy of this faith of theirs, it's now just become religion. Father, I pray today that they would sense your embrace. Remind them that you are just prayer way that cries out, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. Lord, for those who we love deeply, who have chosen to take the inheritance of the life you've given to them and spent it away from you, for you are our home. Our prayer is that the Spirit of the Lord would just do one thing. As they're running, help them turn around and just see you. Help them just see you coming after them. That's all we pray. Because we can't save them from themselves. But if they can get a good glimpse of the Father running recklessly toward them, we trust your Spirit will do deep work in their hearts. So, for those that we love dearly, who are away from home, away from you, be with them. 
Thank you, God, for the cross of Jesus where you ran to us and saved us from ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. So maybe you're leaving here today. Maybe you are wondering, you know, I, I'm a little lost right now. Remember, the son was in the father's house. So being lost doesn't mean necessarily doing some grave sin out there somewhere. You may just be lost right now in your relationship with him. Or maybe, maybe you, you're on the prodigal road. No one knows, but you know. And if you say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I, I need to just, I need to come home and I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I want to give you two things, two words of advice. One, if you want to talk to one of our pastors, you can reach out to any one of us. And we would love to sit with you and talk about coming home to God. Or maybe find a friend. You say, you know, I don't want to go to the pastor's. That's like going to the principal's office. I don't want to go there, right? Holy smokes, who wants that? Or in Joel's case, it's like going to the dean's office, right? No, no. Well, find a friend who you know loves Jesus. Maybe they're not a friend. Maybe it's just someone you know. You've been watching them for years, and you know they love Jesus, and they got something you wish you had. That's what happened to me. My friends, two of my friends, they had something I wish I had, and I went and said, I got to have this, man. So why don't you just go talk to him and say, I need to come home to God and start with that simple prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. Because here's the good news. Father's looking and he's like, he's in the starting blocks, man. The Father is ready to run towards us when we cry out to him. Thanks be to God. So may you go in this hope of this good, good Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. May you prayerfully, if you're a member of the church, may you prayerfully participate in the selection process following the service.